ball to the foe, add another lead, oh. best ball, it's the best, y'all, ball, ball to the foe, lineups every week, nah. best ball, it's the best, y'all, and I'm in way too many leagues, gotta stop, when I play, I play for keep, keep money, accepting payments, not the fee, I take the rake on all these pleats, Pay the scour, making lineups every hour. You draft cowards, well I'll be drafting all the power. Welcome to the first ever episode of the Best Ball Owner's Manual. My name's Brad Reyes, I'll be your host, otherwise known as Mean Mr. Mode on Twitter. And I'm joined with my co-host, Jeremy Brolin, the Dynasty Madman. And he's a fantastic host, I can't wait to work with him. Jeremy, I mean, you know, welcome to the show. Thanks for uh, thanks for doing uh, Best Ball Owners Manual. Dude, I'm excited. This is um, going to be a lot of fun. I'm actually going to learn a lot, too, from you. Um, though you have more experience than I do playing in some of these formats. Can't wait to talk about how these things tie in together, as well as in the Dynasty. Yeah. This is going to be a lot of fun, Brad. We've been having too much fun. We can't even get through the damn intro without uh, the giggling. So hey, we're going to keep this moving right along. And uh, how, how do people get get a hold of you on Twitter there? You can find me on Twitter at DFF underscore Madman. But I have to ask you, what, what are we doing? Yeah, I know we've been kind of like banging it back and forth as how we're going to do the show. So we want to talk a little bit about player picks and uh, some outliers. We're going to be discussing draft strategies for uh, all best ball formats, including draft, best ball tens, dynasty, and also fan tracks. And we're also going to, you know, I, I think we're going to have a good conversational program. We're, we're going to discuss you know, all things fantasy football. We'll probably get off topic a little bit. I think we're going to have a lot of fun with this show. Definitely. Um, so let's uh, let's just jump right into the whole thing. I think we've already, and everybody knows who we are. You know, I'm the I'm the draft guy on Twitter. I also work at TQE. I do draft rankings there. What, what do you do, Jeremy? Me and a couple buddies have a podcast called Dynasty Trades HQ, where we talk dynasty trades and values, player values. Um, been doing that show for just over a year. Uh, write a little bit for Fantasy Pros and do some editing at Dynasty Football Factory. I'm the senior editor there, so yeah, kind of kind of all over the board there awesome yeah i've seen your work a lot of places and i'm really excited to be working with you they bring a lot of expertise in uh, a couple of fields i really don't do anything with like dynasty you know this will be like my first year of actually playing dynasty drafts so i'm interested in your opinion right off the bat yeah no same here we definitely don't have um, a ton of overlap which is going to be great i I'm a dynasty madman, so I'm all about dynasty football. That's my wheelhouse. That's my favorite thing. I do some dynasty best ball, dynasty trades HQ, where we talk about dynasty players, you know, trading values, all sorts of trending up and down things that go on in dynasty football. And, you know, it's really keeping your finger on the pulse of drafting in general. So, um, and I I do love best ball and the wrinkles in um, dynasty best ball. So I do a little bit of all that. I think this is going to be a learning experience as well as a lot of fun just just kind of chatting about all this stuff and, and how we can become better at this game. Yeah, I think that's what we're here for is to you know, make each other better, make everybody better. We're going to have... Uh we're gonna have different guests on to come in and fill in some gaps oh, yeah. with it. Where we're we're not, you know, if we're, if we're not quite experts in a certain thing, I'm certainly sure we can find other people that come in and tell us where we're wrong. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> There's no shortage of people telling us we're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get right down to it and talk about different um, best ball formats we're going to be covering and okay. uh, things we play in general. Um, I'm generally considered a uh, draft expert. I do a lot of draft rankings for TQE. I've done a lot of different shows. 
and discuss draft with several people. And frankly, it's my favorite format. I just liked it better in, in terms of just regular GFS. Uh-huh. I, I like the practice of drafting somebody. I drafts. I do drafts every day. So I mean, if anything, I kind of get a, a psychology of the draft, or at least see patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, and also kind of have a few ideas of how to get around certain patterns or how to how to stack players that'll be beneficial for you as you draft. Because yeah. in best ball, especially in the, in the draft format, there's no trades. Right. So uh, you're you're pretty much you're stuck with the team you draft. So uh, you know there's a lot of strategy just in doing that because you can't you know you can't trade anybody off. So you, there's no point in uh, stacking one particular uh, position and trying to play keep away with players. There's uh, no way to really accurately predict injuries. Mm-hmm. So you know I think best ball gives you a lot of uh, flexibility. I think it's going to give you a. Uh, you know, a lot of extra time. You can do a lot more leagues and, you know, still have time to do some more daily managed leagues. But I can do 400 best ball tournaments this year. You know, last year I did 400. Oh, wow. And I could not have been in any more than 20 leagues without losing my money. Yeah, if you had to set daily lineups, yep. Or, I mean, weekly yeah, lineups for football. Yeah. And I'm practically a shut-in. <laughs> 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 We've talked about it a long time. I know I've had a, I had a little bit of a problem with agoraphobia, so I didn't really leave the house. And it's one, one of the things that got me into fantasy football is like I was able to spend an awful lot of time looking at it and making changes and uh, turning my uh, overall fantasy football game into a, a decent little money maker for me. You know, I, do, I do cash games, but mm-hmm. in the best ball format has been really just one of my favorites, though. I mean, I just, I love doing the drafts. I love doing football drafts against experts. I love doing football drafts against anybody, I think. I mean, it's not even about the winning so much. as I just enjoy doing them. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between draft and uh, best ball tens? Well, the difference between draft and best ball tens right off the top of the bat is in best ball tens, you're going to be drafting uh, defenses. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, a, that's a major game changer in terms of... Uh, you know, where do you want to pick your defense? Which defense are you going to target? That's not something I generally look at at draft. Drafts just the complete, you know, it's just offensive uh, Roster, players. Your, yeah. your, your quarterback, your running back, your wide receivers and tight ends. I also think that uh, with um, the best ball 10 format, you know, the, you, you get a lot more experts in it. Yeah. I think draft products, it's a tad softer. I think you're dealing with a, with a, a more casual player. So I think there, I think there's a lot of upside with draft in terms of uh, if you're if you're informed, if you're uh, knowledgeable, if if you just listen really well, I think you'll do really well with draft because it's just it's just a good format. You're not like I said, you're not really dealing with a lot of the the experts or the people in our field mm-hmm. that play NFL tens and or best ball tens now, mm-hmm. and you know have been doing it for years and have a great system for it. Draft's only been around for two years with their best ball system. Oh yeah, there are a lot of people that'll tell you um, give you advice on best ball tens that that play like you do hundreds of those teams that they draft and right. um you know a lot of the dynasty folks out there dynasty twitter they play best ball they like it so i think you're right it's it's saturated with uh, you know a lot of people who know what they're doing and i've played in you know plenty of those i mean a, a couple dynasty best ball leagues um best ball scoring which is really pretty tricky and we'll get into that at some point um, it's interesting, but it's it, there's a level of difficulty in it and uh, strategy that's completely different from dynasty and different from you know handling a regular league, um, you know season long best ball. Uh, one thing I want to learn from you and and um, get more information about is just draft in general. You know you're gonna have to get me uh, set up on there and uh, help me draft my first team. Maybe we can do that on the show. 
Oh yeah, that's definitely going to be an episode of the show waiting to happen. Is uh, you and me drafting against one another? And oh uh, well, maybe you could just help me the first time, and then and then after that, I could do yeah, my I, own team. But sure, I'm not going to help you before we actually draft. I'll help you get on the app. But yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I can draft with the best of them. I mean, I I love yeah, that's my whole thing for doing this, man. The the draft yeah. is the the appeal. So you're speaking my language when when an <laughs> app is called draft. <laughs> it's just yeah, I mean, right you know, there in the wheelhouse. Yeah, I mean, you know, and they have and they have a good phone app, and I and I spend a lot of time talking about them. And you know, like I said, it's it's eighty percent of my uh, fantasy sports betting goes through draft. So it's just something I enjoy. It's it's more of a game to me. You know, it didn't start out as something I wanted to turn into a something I thought I could make a living at. Yeah, you didn't need it to be lucrative. You enjoyed it. It's fun. Yeah, so it's, I can't yeah. wait to do that. I'm not planning on making a <laughs> making a killing on it, but I, it does it does really sound interesting. I just I never took the time to do it. Yeah, I think, well, you, you know, when you're dominated, your industry's dominated by basically DraftKings and FanDuel, you know, that's where all the action really is looking. I think Draft, now that they're part of FanDuel, is also um, expanding, and they're expanding quite a bit into the uh, best ball market. I think we're seeing, we're going to end up seeing uh, Draft as one of the most popular best ball platforms this year. And is Draft, besides the defenses that are required in best ball tens, what else is strikingly different about the rosters that you start in draft that you're drafting for smaller teams shallower rosters just yeah. a starting lineup only well what you're doing is you're drafting you're, you pick 18 you know 18 players okay and you get quarterback two running backs three wide receivers and one tight end so seven starters and then you right. have um, 11 bench players to supplement that Yes, yes, you do. Um, so, yeah, so, but a little bit different than best ball tens. What, the rosters are what? Uh, yeah, one big difference with uh, the best ball tens is that you have a 32-round draft. Okay. So it's, it's going to be a lot deeper. You're going to be doing defenses. Way different than. Like, yeah, it's a it's a much broader format. Um, And I there are a, a full PPR. One point, yeah. Okay. Yeah, there are full yeah, PPR, and draft is a half-point PPR. So it's a little bit different in how you're going to choose your wide receivers select you know and what when you're going to choose them and how you're going to evaluate running backs later on it's, yeah you're not you can't you know, take draft. as many shots with best ball i mean i'm sorry with draft um with a with a shallower roster of 18 versus 32 so best ball tens right off the top you're thinking i can take a few more sort of swings for the fences on uh maybe higher ceiling players right. or what i want to say um Players that have the opportunity to maybe just have those few gigantic weeks, but not really consistently over the season. So there's a lot of different things you could do between the two of those, just that, just based on the difference in settings. Yeah, I mean, there, it, like I said, it's a completely different animal in terms of dra- and, uh, drafts. Is what I do the most of, I mean, because mm-hmm. like I said, because there are 18 players, you can get through them pretty quick. You don't have to worry about defenses. It's basically about cutting down your roster size so that you can you can manipulate the app a little bit. Yeah, I like yeah. it. Yeah, it seems like how, how long do the drafts take you generally to get through? You, you can do the the long drafts. They have uh, 8-hour uh, drafts and they also have a uh, 30-second draft. Nice. So okay. The 30-second time limit, it does play you know uh, the app does make a big difference in how you have your uh, your your queue organized makes an enormous difference. Um, you're talking about a pool of like almost 400 players for the NFL. And scrolling through that and trying to find what you're looking for, especially toward the end of the draft. So when you're looking for a player that is probably off the ADP um, map entirely on draft. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's 
you know, the, the impetus there to the swing for the fences really isn't there. And you're dealing with, like I said, a, a more casual play. So doing those, uh, doing our live 30 second draft is going to be pretty fun. Yeah, I mean, it's an absolute blast. I mean, we can do a, a head-to-head. We can get involved with other players. I mean, I generally do 10 or 12-player leagues just because that's where the fun is for me. Mm-hmm. Now, there is a certain amount with, uh, you know, especially with draft, with uh, they do the smaller leagues. They do the head-to-heads, the three players, four players, six players, and all the way up to 12-player drafts. So that's going to, you know, I, I prefer those a little bit because, you know, you get like a thir- you know, 30% chance of you know, getting money out of them. Yeah. So that's right off the bat. I'm I'm attracted to that. Um, you know, cause you only really need to place in the top three, and in, in twelve players, you only need to place in the top four. Oh wow, so that's good. I like the odds. Yeah. yeah so the odds on draft are a little bit uh, better than they are in um, best ball tens. I think best ball tens, their, their classic format is generally there's only two winners. Uh, one winner gets most of the money, and then the other guy gets about enough to cover the price of entry so i think i think that format is certainly a little bit tougher just based on you know your ability to cash out yeah no i like I the sound draft. of draft for sure yeah. yeah draft is really you know is got an advantage when it comes to that you know draft does have it's a little bit shallow for the the diehard uh fantasy football fan you know you're gonna you're gonna miss those 32 you know 32 player drafts or 24 player drafts i yeah. mean you know getting down to the second and third string guys, that's fine. You can do that in draft, but on a uh, best ball tens, you know, you're going to be looking pretty deep in the roster and you're actually going to be drafting opportunity. One site's a little bit chalkier than the other in terms of uh, chalky players being the most common taken and uh, considered by most of the betting public to be good bets. Yeah. Right now, we're going to be talking about uh, some current events and how they might impact your drafts. You got any uh, current events that stick out to you that might be a, might be a big problem in draft or drafts? Yeah, um, well, a lot of running backs, you know, trading places, musical chairs. Um, you know, Le'Veon Bell finally signed with the Jets, so that gives them a, a legitimate starting running back, which we didn't have before. Crowell to the Raiders further complicates things there as far as who's going to, you know, everybody was all over Jalen Richard for a while. and. They may draft someone, so there, there, there's questions about the Raiders' offense. And then Jordan Howard to the Eagles um, changes things for the Bears, right, and and the Eagles, because the Eagles finally, they, they have a great offensive line, and they kind of need that first and second down banger uh, on their team. So there's just a lot happening there that, you know, there's as many questions as answers about those moves, other than Bell okay. to the Jets, who needed a starting running back. There's a lot of questions about the Bears, you know, the Raiders, who's the running back there, um, Miami with, you know, Fitzpatrick there and the passing game and the new offense. How's that shake out for Kalen Balaj and Kenyon Drake? And, and you know, I think that team's going to draft a running back. So I just see a lot going on with running backs um, for the most part at this point in time. Yeah, especially with uh, last year's running back class being so underwhelming, aside from uh, Saquon Barkley. Yeah, the rookie class was. And, and that's something, you know, how do rookies play out? And when you have 18 players on your roster and you're drafting, maybe right, maybe you're drafting your draft lineups right after the NFL draft. So landing spot is helping you. You, you know which players you want to key on. How do you handle rookies with only 18 players on your roster? Are you taking many of them, any of them? How does that work? Like, what's your strategy on, on the best rookies? I mean, I'm assuming Saquon Barkley, like last year, you definitely wanted him on your team. But in general, like looking at this year's class, for instance, what are you thinking? Yeah. Well, in general, now, this is kind of a, a rule of thumb for me, um, is that I, I don't like taking uh, rookies, especially like at a wide receiver or tight end. I think they take a little time to develop. Um, 
Um, I'm a little more uh, interested in grabbing a rookie running back. You know, sometimes a rookie uh, quarterback can do well. Usually if a, a team's drafting a rookie quarterback, there's not much around him. So I usually don't look for uh, a rookie unless he got inserted onto a great team. I just know yeah. that in, like, the dynasty best ball leagues that I'm in, rookies are just as important as they are in any dynasty league. Oh. And so you're you're taking them, but you're also, you know, if you have a shallow roster, say you have 24 players or something like that, you're also offsetting your opportunity to capitalize on winning now by with every draft pick you have for just the reasons you said, that you have to wait for these players to develop and become an yeah. asset for you. So, you know, a lot of teams that are in contention are trading away their picks to get vets now so they can keep competing for today and winning right. now and then giving other teams a shot to rebuild so that the disparity between teams going for it and rebuilding are, is pretty strong and um i i think in most best balls like i'm i don't even know what rookies i'd care about until after the landing spots decided after the the nfl draft yeah because there's yeah. just not that saquon barkley this year you're not going to do tight ends they take too long to develop wide receivers most of them aren't going to do anything in year one so there's a lot of running backs a ton of running backs in this class we don't know yet what we have and only a few are going to be sought after and with short with shallow rosters i could see mfl tens people i mean best ball tens you know, being targeted more because you have, like you said, 32 players. But with 18, I don't even know if I'm going to be going after a rookie this year. No, rookies, uh, like I said, rookies don't make a big part of my diet. And mm -hmm. uh, when rookies do finally come out here, uh, probably in the next week or so with drafts, uh, they're not very specific about timing. Okay. Yeah, I, I generally avoid rookies entirely until at least the draft and I know what team they're going on. It's not like it's not like what team a guy's playing on is some small little detail. I mean, <laughs> right. you know, it, it dictates a lot of, you know, opportunity, uh, you know, what the coach's priority is. There's so much that goes into that, that you're going to need a guy who comes out of college, you know, a lot like Saquon Barkley, you know. Yeah, you, you, yeah you knew that he had this, you know, a great physical uh, presence. He's a, you know, great runner in college. I mean, you see that all the time in college. But he also had a lot of the different physical makeups and agility that you really need to be a great star. This year, I don't think we have anybody even that close. I think, uh, you know, it's going to be another two or three years where we get a Barkley-type player. Yeah, so, yeah I can yeah, see I that for sure. As far as rookie goes, especially on a smaller format, yeah, I generally avoid rookies. Um, and I certainly don't take them in the first round, which actually hurt me with Saquon Barkley last year. Oh. Yeah, I was a little, you know, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to take a uh, rookie in the first round. Yeah, I should have took a rookie in the first round. <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, I, I'm always reluctant to do that too, but it definitely paid off for the the owners that did that. Yeah, it was fantastic. And the uh, last year, especially with running backs, was like people were just coming out of the woodwork and just you know undrafted free agents were were fantastic last year. That was a big problem. Old old Frank Gore too. He did pretty well, well yeah, for a while. You know, yeah, he's pretty much. I mean, he's immortal. <laughs> he is, man. They need to bottle that guy's uh, mojo for sure. I mean, he's managed to stay healthy this long. I, I honestly can't believe he can even walk. <laughs> oh, I, I'm telling you. Yeah. Could you play an NFL running back for one year? This guy's been in the league for what? A while. It's been 13. On draft, I mean, you know, I'm looking at Frank Gore. Yeah, I'm basically picking him in, in, in case I think uh, LaShawn McCoy is getting traded or going to jail. <laughs> right, yeah, the end of the draft. And that's another thing to consider, too. Sometimes a player, like... You know, like this year, we've got Tyreek Hill, we've got... Uh, you mean LaShawn McCoy? Yes! Okay, sometimes you got to look, you know, a player brings a certain amount of baggage, and sometimes, you know, you got to look at 
you know, from a pragmatic aspect, is he going to be able to play? Um, you know, we've got, you know, mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill, we've got uh, LaShawn McCoy, and they're both looking at serious potential suspensions. We saw with uh, the Kareem Hunt situation last year that even being a great player will get you canned for some of these offenses. Yeah. So, you know, and we're looking at a similar type of offense in both cases. Um, you know, so, you know, when you're looking at domestic violence, you, yeah, yeah, I really, I mean, I hate to get into it, but you kind of have to. And I think, you know, that needs to be something you think about. Is this player going to be here? I mean, we already know Kareem Hunt's not going to be there for eight games. Yep. You know, he's got like, you know, eight or nine games yeah. where he's going to be sitting, depending on where the bye falls. Yeah, he's missing half um, the first half of the season for sure. Now, oddly enough, in best ball, that's actually kind of beneficial. <laughs> I mean, you don't take him very early, but you're also it's also a little bit of an injury insurance for later on. I mean, you know you're getting a great player who I don't think is going to stick with the Browns. I think the Browns picked him to kind of trade, trade him, him off. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, Chubb would have to come in and completely just take a dump. Yeah. So. I mean, you know, the, all these teams can really use, in today's NFL, a couple of good backs. And so that yeah. does give them a surplus at the position. But, you know, if they get rid of Duke Johnson, apparently he asked for a trade, but I think they were already shopping him anyway. Either way, yeah. uh, then they're down to those two guys, one of which or one of whom is missing half the season. Then, they're you know, they're down to Nick Chubb and whatever they draft or whoever they bring in as sort of a backup. So if they were to lose Chubb, that for you know early in the season, God right. forbid that could really destroy their chances at winning that division without a good running back. So I I mean I they could keep him, but it does seem like it's just as likely they just signed him cheaply to trade him for something else. Okay, since we kind of you know we, we kind of went in and we talked about the legal ramifications of Tyreek Hill and Lashawn McCoy. Um, let's talk about a couple of uh, let's talk about other situations that don't involve doing time. Let's see. We got Jordan Howard to the Eagles. This was a this is an interesting move for me. I think it really gives the Eagles that uh, banger for the first two downs. He yep. obviously has no hand, so they're not passing to him. Nope. So, uh, I mean, who do you see becoming the passing down back for the Eagles? So Corey Clement, Josh Adams, Wendell Smallwood, Donald Pumphrey. Not a lot to. Uh, Right home about now. Corey Clement wasn't known as um, you know a pass catcher in college at right. Wisconsin, but he certainly looked really good in limited opportunities to do that for that offense in the recent past. He's looked pretty good, so I don't know if they have plans for that. Josh Adams, I don't think he's going to be that guy in Wendell Smallwood either. So I don't know if that player's on the roster yet necessarily, um, but I think Clement could provide that as well as also you know just being a, a pretty solid backup for Jordan Howard on first and second downs as well. But that might be you know their third down back as Clement brings yeah. that rushing ability and has pretty good hands and speed and can do some things downfield a little a little farther with with the catches. Um, so I think they'd be fine if they didn't add someone. So but truth is I I don't know and I could easily see them getting yeah. bringing in a back that's more adept at adept with catching the ball and handling it in space. So, yeah, good question, though. Yeah, well, I mean, we've seen, we've seen Jordan Howard work, work with the Bears. Um, you know, I, I like I said, I think he's a very good um, running back when it comes to just, you know, running between the tackles. He just doesn't give you much else. Yeah, um, no, he's he's seemingly vanilla, and people don't really yeah. aren't high on him in even the, the dynasty leagues. I mean, one thing, key thing about him is that he is really good at yards after contact. So he might not be yeah. the most elusive guy, but he's elusive enough. He's good enough at, and savvy enough to get 
uh, yards after touch. And that's, I mean, and, and when you're a running back on first and second down, there's not a whole lot you can ask for other than a guy getting the yards that you need and then, you know, not going down on the first tackle. That guy is exactly what you'd expect him to do, on first, or does exactly what you'd expect him to do on first and second down, get those tough yards. So I think I'm yeah. fine with that in fantasy too. Yeah, like I said, I don't think he's a he's a, a guy that you need to be targeting, you know, any higher than say the seventh round. But I think he's right. a very good. Uh, I think he's a very good fit for what they're bringing him in for. I also think that the situation with the, the Eagles is also there's, there's right now. There's just too many running backs that could do something. Exactly. I I do think that Howard pre- presents us with an opportunity because he may in fact do better than where he's drafted. Like I I see him doing better than expected. I guess. Um, based on ADP and things like that. Um, but, yeah, who knows what else they do at that position and how that cuts into his play time, you know, his snap count. Well, and speaking of ho-hum backs, let's talk about uh, Isaiah Crowell to the Raiders. There's, an, there's another electric name in there, in the annals of... That guy's okay, you know. He can catch the ball, and he runs well in space. He's kind of a slasher. Um, you know, I was surprised when I looked at his stats that he's actually better than I think most people would think. He's done better than you'd expect for being such a sort of a generic kind of runner. You, you know, I think that's a decent fit. They don't really have a set running back situation, and they could easily go into the season, the Raiders, with Crowell as their starting back and probably feel pretty good about that. You know, until the player they draft is ready, you know, takes a little pressure off of Jalen Richard. But it yeah. does add an interesting wrinkle because a lot of people were expecting the season to begin with Richard as the starting back and kind of counting on him. In fact, they just did a startup draft and yeah. co- co-drafting with um, a couple friends of mine and the team that we they wanted Jalen Richard and I was kind of you know meh about it. I was kind of like you know ah, I don't know and and then. Crowell going there just shakes it up even further. Like the confidence level in Richard is just now for me, it's non-existent because I I truly expect Crowell to be more of the lead back in a timeshare there. Yeah, I don't see him becoming a bell cow back by right. any means. The Raiders, but I think he can handle certainly the first two down job with no problem and give him some options on passing downs. Um, for me, this really killed Chris Warren. Yeah, the <laughs> I, the I, hype yeah. on Warren is real, man. I mean, a lot of people yeah. like him um, as a sleeper, sure. Yeah, I, lo- I love him as a sleeper. I probably won't be taking him much on draft now that Kroll is in. I think Kroll is the much more obvious play right now. Yeah. Um, something camp would actually have to happen to make him valuable in such a short format for Chris Warren. Um, you know, I, yeah, I'll i still take him like on the MFL 10s, though, the the best ball 10s, on, I'm sorry, and fan tracks. Um, but... Yeah, I think I think we're he's uh, he's a long shot at best, but the upside's there, and a little oh, bit of the yeah. upside kind of went away with Crowell, though. But I mean, Crowell as a starting back there is pretty cool because we know John Gruden likes to pass the ball. He's I mean, right. you go back to the '90s and pass into the running back. I mean, that was the thing, I and mean, that's what he did. That and his coordinator to in defense of Gruden is that was really what his coordinator brought to the table and the kind of players they had. But they never really had that running back one like some teams had they they had guys and they passed the ball to them and they did okay and Crowell can catch and and do those sorts of things he's a big back at over 220 pounds I think he really does fit what Gruden wants to do on offense and so he you know depending on who they draft he could be the starter for even longer than you know part of the season maybe he makes it the whole year and again I think that's a situation a player it's a great name to have on our sheet today because 
people aren't really excited about Isaiah Crowell, but yet he's pretty durable. You know, he doesn't have a lot of injury concerns, and he's just a guy. But he he's he's going to be someone that you get later in your drafts that maybe helps you win your you know win some money this season. Well, yeah, and he's also capable of uh, a good breakout game. I think last year people had uh, Isaiah Crowell pretty happy with his uh, performance with the Jets yeah. for uh, for what round they got out of him. I mean, he wasn't a guy coming off the board until maybe. I don't know, twelfth round, you know, even Okay. I mean, you know, he wasn't really considered a uh, major major cog until, you know, he had a couple of explosive games. I don't like I said, I think Isaiah Crow is a very good player. Yeah. Good. I just don't you know, I think we're looking at the Raiders offense in general. It's been very sluggish. It's interesting to see how the uh wide receiver situation there is gonna open up, um, now that they got a Antonio Brown. Um, I think that should give the the running game a little room to breathe. Oh hell um, yeah. So I, I think there's some potential there for uh, Crowell to to have some big games this year. So I, I do like him as a uh, later later in the draft. I mean, I might you know snap up and I, certain drafts he's really going like on the draft site. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, most of the most of the uh, casual betters are kind of staying away from him. And I really? think he's yeah, I think he's a nice guy to pick up. I usually like to add him as my fifth or sixth running back. It's funny how different your strategy is in approaching drafts like this because normally I steer a little bit clear of running backs. I mean, if there's one, if one of the best backs is there and I'm drafting high enough in a startup, luckily, then I, I might take one of the better, one of the best running backs because I, that's probably the greatest value at that point. But I'm more than happy to start my drafts with wide receivers, get a, a, a tight end to plug and chug every week in these normal leagues um, and have a couple quarterbacks. I play a lot of super flex, but in leagues like this, when you're maybe playing with one quarterback, uh, that devalues that position. I'm not taking it high. I can get plenty of wide receivers later in the draft. So I, my approach to these is to take all the best running backs I could get at the at the top end of the draft to try to get, you know, get those points. Yeah. And I know it's not as flexible of a roster, but I think I'd take them over this, the, the wide receiver one types because I feel like I'd have enough of a posse of wide receivers that I could, I could do fine. Um, and, and so Crowell would be someone I'd target in a lot of my dynasty leagues. If I did a startup right now, you know, I'd target him later because I'm not taking the top backs high. But, it, but in the kinds of games we're talking about right now, I absolutely want that guy in, in one of, you know, before I'm done with that 18th round, I want a guy like that on my roster because he's definitely just going to, like Howard, I think, going to do better than where he's drafted. You know, he's going to exceed expectations, even if slightly. Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for, uh, you know, being the nominal starter in yeah. the NFL. I mean, you're going to get, you know, 20 carries probably. Yeah, and even I some think. of the guys in the committee situations, whereas Le'Veon Bell on the Jets, yeah. I'm not touching that guy. I mean, I will if he's presented to me at a value, but people are expecting a heck of a lot there, and they're going to pay for it. Well, and they're also expecting the, the type of performance he had with the Steelers, and the type, you know, and now we're moving into an Adam Gase offense. Right. But, I mean, you know, I, does anybody throw to the running back as much as the Steelers do? <laughs> no, and, and I don't know that anybody has an offensive line like the Steelers that allows you to plug in right. almost any running back that's barely alive and playing and still, you know, become a running back one like the Steelers' offensive line does. It's incredible. You could literally yeah. put my grandmother in there, and I think she could <laughs> come away with, um, you know, three yards per carry. Yeah, so it, it, I, I think that the bell to the dress move is very interesting. I think there's <laughs> obviously a lot of room for volume. I think that the first year with Bell to the Jets is really going to be a transitioning year. He's been out of football for a while. Um, you know, he's probably in fine shape. That's not the problem. 
but there's going to be issues with timing and chemistry. Oh, yeah. And issues just with getting that offense off the ground with the, with the scheme that Gase is trying to implement and his idiosyncrasies trying to I there there might be a real struggle this first year and I'm not saying Bell isn't the best rapper at the running back position but I do think that he yeah. um, you know is gonna I agree I, I think he's going to underperform expectation for a lot of people this year I just don't see a 300 fantasy point uh, right coming out of him especially like I said especially in that offense. And there's also the fact is, I mean, is he going to come back and still have that explosiveness he had? Yeah, I really, I just don't see it. I, I don't think he will, yeah. And, and he's not playing for the Steelers, which is, you know, uh, a dream come true for running backs. I mean, that's an ideal place yeah. to be. He's going to the Jets. He's going to Adam Gase. He's going out of shape. He's he's going after cashing in um, less than he probably expected. I just, yeah, there's just too many variables that work against yeah. The, the uh, mystique of Le'Veon Bell to be good in New York. And plus, he's also uh, working against the, I mean, you know, he's got time. He's got you know time away from the sport. He's age. And there's a lot working against him having success with the Jets. I mean, it's a, like I said, I think it's a transition year for him. Yep. I think I think he'll still be good. Sure. I mean, I'm, you know, I could take him the first round and still not cry, but I'm probably going to wish I had taken um a wide receiver first. Oh, yeah. If I have a last pick in the first round and, you know, okay, maybe I'm going to do that, but I'm hoping that I don't have to. Like, I really don't yeah. want to have to. But, yeah, at some point, you're you're going to need to take him. It'd be crazy not to. Uh, but I, I'd rather take somebody else. Let's just say that. Yeah, it's like, you know, I, I want to see touchdowns out of my running back, too. So, he's, you know, the Jets aren't that kind of team right yet until, you know. I, I need to see a little more of their offense, before, especially with Adam Gase before I go invest in any offensive players on that team. Oh, yeah. Yep, I get it. So, and, yeah, okay, so we went from boring running backs to a really exciting running back. So let's get back to, you know, more pedestrian player like Funchess to Indy. That's an interesting one to me. How's it, how's it looking to you? Well, I'm a Funchess fan. Um, you know, I, I'm an Ohio State guy, but I'm familiar with Funchess from his time at Michigan. You know, is he a tight end? Is he a wide receiver? He came into the league and did he did fine at wide receiver. Uh, you know, for Carolina and, you know, underwhelming at times. But I think this is a good, you know, going to Indianapolis, playing with a great passing quarterback in Andrew right. Luck. I mean, I'm not saying Cam Newton isn't a great quarterback, but I think everyone knows that he's not a great passing quarterback. He's not quite that guy. He'll score you some running touchdowns and dink and dunk, and he gets a lot of stuff done in that Carolina offense. But Funches, you know, really wasn't a key weapon there. He was like last in a long list of players, especially after they got Christian McCaffrey. I think this is going to be good for Funchess. I definitely like him as, what do I want to say, like a value buy, I guess. A, a player that's going to also exceed the price you paid for him. And I, I think he could actually be quite good there. Uh, but he fits that offense. He's got a great quarterback that knows how to use wide receivers. And Funchess brings, you know, some abilities to that. He's not always going to stretch the field, but, you know, you can just throw the ball and he can come down with it on those 50-50 opportunities. Andrew Luck definitely needs a player like that to go along with uh, T.Y. Hilton on the other side. I, I think it's a really good match, and I'm excited about him in fantasy football this year. Yeah, I never thought he was going to be able to carry the load as a wide receiver one anyway. Right. And yep. oh, I think he's always a, a complimentary player. Exactly. Well said. Yep. Yeah, I mean, he just, you know, he he, he's, he fits a role. He fits a physical need for a certain thing. Mm -hmm. You know, he's the kind of guy that in a, in Indianapolis's offense um, can score some touchdowns. 
I think you can take away a lot of touchdowns from like an Eric Ebron. Oh yeah, that's exactly that's a great point. Ebron was the second best pass catcher on the team last year. He's a you know kind of a wide receiver himself. I mean, not built unlike Funchess, right? Uh, but he is right. playing a tight end position, whereas Doyle, I think, is better served as not pass catching. I, I think he's I mean, he could be anybody. But that Jack Doyle's success just speaks to how well Andrew Luck can make guys look and use them in in that scheme there. But yeah, I think this cuts mostly cuts into Eric Ebron. T.Y. Hilton's going to be Hilton. He has a game unto yeah. himself. Nobody else on the team plays his position and is going to do what he does um, for that offense with those big chunk plays and the fast um, slants and all that. But Funches, there's a need for him there. And I, yeah, Ebron, I think, is the one that's going to, that stands to lose the most, of course. Yeah, I mean, I, Ebron's got a lot, uh, a couple of places now with pressure. You've got, uh, you know, we discussed the other other tight ends coming back, Doyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and they play know. a lot of two tight end sets, so they're both out yeah, there sometimes. Well, there's, there's certainly room for that, because I like Ebron a little bit, because he can, he can play outside a little, a little more than the average tight end. Right. But I think Funches does that so much better that it's gonna it's really going to eat into uh, Ebron's production. I'm, I'm interested in seeing how it goes. I think Ebron's still a very good tight end. But I think we're going to see production. I don't think production's going to dip to where it was when he was with the Lions. Yeah, he'll still be valuable, but what we got from him last year is probably not what you should expect. Um, it's going yeah, to come well, down back down to earth. Yeah, he scored 15 touchdowns. I mean, you just can't rely on touchdowns every year. You know, he's not getting an Earth-like volume. He's he's he is what he is. He's not. You know, he's he's a good running. He's a good running uh, tight end. You know, he's physically able to get out there and do the job and catch the ball. He's fantastic. Great in the red zone. A great red zone weapon for Andrew Luck. I don't think that goes away because that was such magic last year. I think they'll still want to capitalize on that. But, yeah, certainly between the 20s, you you got to expect Funches. Well, Funches gives them another red zone asset yeah. as well. But between the 20s, you got to expect that uh, Funches is going to get more of the love than Ebron. Yeah, I think so, too. I think, uh, you know, so... The Funches to Indy, they, I'm very bullish on. Let's just cut, let's just cut to the chase and get yeah. into it. I really like Funches um, working with a, a quarterback known to throw the ball a lot more. I know Cam Newton doesn't produce wide receiver ones, so that's no, he issue. doesn't exactly. That's a great point. It's true. I mean, it, for all the fantasy goodness he's brought to us from his running and um, multi sort of faceted playing, he's not Andrew Luck who can you know run an offense crisply pass the ball all up and down the field and you know, isn't running a ton. Yeah, yeah. So it's a totally different team and position for Funches to be in and the best position he's been in his career as, as far as with a quarterback and on an offense. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think this is a uh, kind of a rebirth for Funches and getting getting moved on to Indy. He gets to play indoors. He get, you know he gets a great quarterback who throws about fifty times a game. Yeah, yeah, that's a good it's thing. huge. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times when players change teams, or maybe even most of the time, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but many times when a player changes the team, we get excited. But there's always, like you were saying about Le'Veon Bell, there's always sort of that non honeymoon time where it's just it takes its work, and the players getting used to the team, and their numbers are down from the, their previous team, and maybe it clicks, and maybe it doesn't. But people have higher expectations than they probably should. In the case of Funchess, it's almost like a perfect storm for him. I mean, he's not a terrible yeah. player, but he didn't have the greatest stats. But yeah, he's going into what you know an ideal position for a wide receiver. Yeah, and we're still talking about a, a wide receiver you can get in the middle rounds of a, yeah. of, you know of an average draft. I don't think 
you know, he's not somebody you're going to be targeting in the fourth round or getting, you know, getting crazy like that. I mean, he's just, you know, he's a solid option, especially I like him on the draft format. It's half point PPR. And he's got a little bit of uh, yeah, he's, he's got the ability to score touchdowns in that offense. So I think that gives him a little more value. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think you're right. I think it's a good one for fantasy this year. Yeah. Fitzpatrick to Miami. That's something that I, I really want to get into. Fitz magic was very interesting for me last year because I didn't have him. <laughs> and yeah. anybody who did, you really just like got a gift. Nobody saw that great season coming. Nope. Um, now we put him on uh, the Miami Dolphins, a team that hasn't performed very well, but does have some talent. What do you do? You, do you really do you see uh, Fitzpatrick having a re- re- rekindling some of that magic? Uh, you know, I do. I, I know he throws interceptions, and he kind of he's that guy that you know you love to watch and you appreciate his uh, intestinal fortitude because he's never the guy that's going to go out there and go, "Hey, coach, I think we need to." You know, uh, go out here and, and, and I'm going to hand the ball off a lot and try to drain the clock. I mean, he's a guy that no matter what the score is, no matter what's going on, he's trying to toss that ball down the field and get another touchdown. I mean, what's not to like as a fan of a, a, about a player at the quarterback position with balls the size of Ryan Fitzpatrick? I mean, the guy, it, it's awesome. But with the new offense in Miami, the new start, you know, Brian Flores coming in, I think it's a really good fit. I think this year, yeah, I think Fitzpatrick is going to be fantasy relevant maybe not to the degree he was last year for Tampa Bay you know Todd Monken's offense with with the you know the ability to make those huge plays I mean maybe they didn't want him to but it was an offense set up and ripe for it and he did it Um, I don't know if the the numbers are going to be that big but I think he can expect more of the same and it's let's I mean does have guys to throw to um, the yeah, tight end position right. is a little sketchy with the rookie Gusecki at, uh, and but there's Dwayne Allen, Nick O'Leary. There's guys that can catch that have done it. But, right. you know, Bryce Butler at slot receiver, Kenny Stills and Devontae Parker on the outside. I know Parker hasn't done a lot yet, but there's a lot of upside in this offense with Brian Flores as coach that we didn't have with Adam Gase. And Fitzpatrick is, is a really great passer. So I, I think for fantasy, you want Ryan Fitzpatrick. For w- wins and losses... Maybe, you know, in real football, maybe not. But. No, no. No, uh, yeah, Fitzpatrick, I do like him um, with the, the receiver quarters they have there at uh, Miami. I'm probably getting more stills and uh, some Devontae Parker uh, later in drafts now mm-hmm. that you know, they've signed Devontae Parker. I think Parker had a, a more of an issue with the uh, previous coach. Yeah, well, who didn't? I mean, Leontay Carew yeah. almost wasn't on the team. It's a guy who traded away, Ajayi, Jarvis Landry, guys that are valuable, especially Landry. That was a silly move, but it didn't get along with him there. There's just yeah. a lot of bad things you can say about Adam Gase as a person and as a coach. Apparently, he's got interpersonal problems. I don't know, but that's that's kind of <laughs> how it shapes up when you read these stories that he's got that issue. But, you know, and they do have a pass-catching running back, too. I neglected to mention, but with well, two of them, in Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balaj. I mean, Drake had over f- more than 50 catches last year. You know, and Tariq Cohen had like 73, but Kenyon Drake was maybe 20 behind that. But that's still, you, you knew Tariq Cohen was targeted like a wide receiver. Drake wasn't that far behind over a 16-game season, and that he didn't, you know, he didn't play in all those games, you know, early on. So, right. you know, with... Um, Frank Gore, so you maybe Drake's capable of doing what Tariq Cohen does with all you know, all those passes. So Fitzpatrick has a ton of weapons. He definitely had it way worse in Buffalo because that was always kind of garbage. <laughs> he became like the Blake Bortles up there with the garbage time. I think this shapes up to be really good this year. I don't know beyond that because 
you know, it's tough to say Fitzpatrick's a, a rental, right? He's a, a well, yeah, I mean, a journeyman. I think, I think, I mean, I think to be frank, that Miami's installed him. Um, they're probably looking at you know shooting for a higher first round draft pick. Um, and then they just wanted an exciting guy who throws the ball down the field and mm-hmm. put butts in seats. Yeah, do you I think mean, that makes Parker relevant this year no, then? Do you think that makes um, Devontae Parker relevant this year then? Yeah, I think in that offense, if they're just going to be chucking the ball down the field and really don't care about interceptions and more about entertainment, mm-hmm. I think Stills and Devontae Parker have a lot of upside. Oh, Stills for sure, man. I'm actually yeah. uh, really excited about yeah, Kenny Stills. Yeah. Yeah, I have Stills uh, ahead considerably over Devontae Parker. He's just like an un- underappreciated receiver, too. He always has been. But he uh, with Fitzpatrick yeah. and his uh, arm talent and, and Stills' ability to well play basically multiple positions, he, he could be the slot guy, too. But with his ability to get down the field, I, I kind of expect him to be one of those players this year that exceeds expectations. Yeah, I think Stills is, is you know, I think you can get him late. For one, I mean, you know, you get him like, you know. Yeah, he's a value already, and if he does yeah. well, then even more now, so. I think he's considerably better than Devontae Parker right now. Yeah. I do like Devontae Parker as, at, you know, as one of those, like, seventh or eighth uh, wide receiver guys that I'll pick up in the 17th or 18th round. Especially if he could just become more of a red zone weapon for the quarterback and just get a touchdown, like, every other game or something. Like, just a, you yeah. know, and not get a lot of PPR love, just get that touchdown here and there. That'd be amazing. Well, I mean, you know, unfortunately, he's not on a team that has put up a lot of touchdowns recently. So we're going to have to see what kind of offense that uh, that they bring to the table with the Flores. And uh, I think there's a lot of upside there in that Miami offense, I think. Yeah, I think it same. was badly, badly managed. Every The team chemistry was shot to hell, you know. Yeah, it wasn't always a question of talent. It was more or less management and coaching um, that, that was at the forefront of that, of their issues. Yeah, it, and you know you have players that leave and excel at, at yeah elsewhere know. yeah perfect perfect example of incompetence is how well everybody did when they left Miami. Well, yeah, I mean, to Miami. Looking, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's just like I said, it was just a poison situation. I got a new head coach, gets a new start. Hopefully, he won't do any weird. Bel- I I played I coached for Bill Belichick crap, exactly. where he's just going to come in and be like. Uh, you know, an artificial hard ass. <laughs> artificial, that's hilarious. Well, you know, like, jeez, uh, oh, like we're dealing with Matt Patricia in uh, Detroit. I think his act is wearing thin on the players, and hell you know, man. just watching him, he looked like he'd irritate the hell out of you. You know, and I think that matters. I think you know, in terms of coaching, you know, having the buy-in and also having the, uh, you know, the players. I mean, it's a physically demanding sport. Hell you know. Yeah. Just being screamed at's not enough to motivate you. Hell no, dude. Not yeah. You're dealing with adults, and I just I think the the issues are well documented around Adam Gase. It's actually a surprise that very surprised that the Jets made him their head coach. I was surprised until I realized it was the Jets. Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> context like, matters. <laughs> just about as legendarily bad as you could be at Miami. I mean, you know, yeah, he he didn't have a winless season. But he stunk. Oh, yeah. Like a buddy of mine pointed out, the actually the only success he ever had was letting Peyton Manning coach his, you know, be the offensive coordinator in Denver. Gase had that season where Peyton Manning did really well, and he was, uh, by osmosis, apparently a great quarterback coach, and that set his career in motion. But I'm not really sure 
that Peyton Manning needed much of a quarterback coach. No, no, and I, I honestly think uh, Gase got the job because he knows uh, McVay. <laughs> yeah, could be, could be. Everybody's getting the job because they know McVay. Yeah, the, it, McVay who says he's too young to have a coaching tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway, I'm, I'm, you know, that's an interesting situation in Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, it also speaks to a little bit about how we feel about the Jets. <laughs> you know, not I, very I, good. Yeah, unfortunately, we can't get much of an argument there because the the Jets hired a crazy coach. I mean, you know, that that press conference was a little a little weary. And oh I don't. Yeah, the eye, the eyes floating uh, around, looking at Taco. Apparently, a Taco floating. Yeah, I mean, you know, it just. The, the lack of self-awareness there was like pretty striking for a head coach in that format. It's like, yeah. you know, you're doing this, right? <laughs> you, you've done this before, right? Haven't you? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think you can go too much off the uh, of the bug-eyed stare he had at the, uh, at the introduction conference. But at that point, I was kind of surprised he kept the job. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, he's, he's a strange one. I thought the Jets were going to be like, yeah, uh, he's got a medical issue. We're, we're avoiding this contract, you know. Yeah, he's got an issue. Yeah, he's got something. Um, now let's see. What are we? Oh, speaking of uh, speaking of something into nothing, let's look at Josh Allen. Um, move, you know, getting some uh, getting some wide receiver love in Buffalo. Uh, are you think we're going to actually see him throw this year? And will it be accurate enough to get anybody down the field? I mean, with John Brown, you probably just throw it up and let him run under it and catch it. Um, you know, he's super fast, un- unheralded, or I want to say um, under-respected wide receiver. I think he's going to have a great season. Um, and of course, it does boil down to Josh Allen's accuracy. We know he can throw the ball, but they certainly set him up with Beasley underneath out of the slot, Zay Jones mm-hmm. and John Brown bring a little something different. Jones, more of a possession type. Brown, he can be that too, but a big play receiver. It's shaping up nicely. They also have that young Robert Foster who did well last year, you know, um, uh, as well as John Brown. So I think, you know, this could be a great year for Josh Allen. He's getting drafted anyway because everybody's looking for the upside of that passing offense and those weeks where you're getting umpteen points. But, yeah, yeah. it's all going to come down to whether he's he improves on last year. So, um, But, yeah, I'd be excited to get him in any of these best ball leagues. I, in fact, well, my yeah. one dynasty league, I finally got a second quarterback to Matt Stafford. Finally, I mean, I was trying to do it with one quarterback. It's a super flex setup, and you can start two. And I, I won one year with only Stafford. I finally got my hands on Josh Allen as my second quarterback, too, so I can actually really compete. And he's not my favorite guy, but he sure can put up some damn points. Well, yeah, in terms of fantasy for- formats, I think best ball works really well with Josh Allen. You don't have yeah. to guess what game he's going to have a good game in. If you know He's capable of putting out wide receiver one numbers based on his ability to run the ball. Mm-hmm. Now that he has some real downfield threats, we'll you know if he can add a little bit to that accuracy, um, you know when it comes to throwing down the field, he's no Baker Mayfield. You know he's not very accurate. Um, so yeah, it, I, we always know that we're going to be battling uphill when it comes to touchdowns with Buffalo. Anyway, it's like nobody really wants to play there. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it. And for the longest time, I made the joke. Well, I mean, I think everybody has it. You know, wide receivers don't do well there. Buffalo's where wide receivers go to die. You put them out the yeah. pasture there, they're never going to be good. Uh, but maybe that changes because Josh Allen is a big change. Um, you know, Brown, Jones, and Beasley it gives you more confidence, not just 
the quarterback more confidence, but us as right. fantasy players. And, and you know, honestly, I don't know that McDermott can mess this up. I mean, they've been messed up there for a long time, and uh, it's got to be better, right? I mean, with the kind of passing offense they could have there. So I'm right. optimistic, but cautiously optimistic, and it's I'm not going after the wide receivers uh, like I am Josh Allen. No, I think the wide receivers are very uh, late, like, you know, just sort of like YOLO picks or something. Yeah, you only live, live once. Zay Jones! <laughs> yeah, I don't see a lot of, uh, I mean, I like Cole Beasley as a receiver in real life, as yes. a fantasy receiver. In You'd love to have life. him on your NFL team because he's that guy. He's Yeah, he's, he's a very good slot receiver. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's not, he's, he's, he's very talented. He knows his craft. He's a very competent mm-hmm. uh, slot receiver. I also don't think that you're going to get a whole lot of uh, touchdowns from him, unfortunately. And I think that, in, especially in a format like uh, draft, which is half-point PPR, mm-hmm. targeting some of these uh, slot receivers is really going to like you know be a problem, especially later on in drafts, when you're just not getting the touchdowns to support it. True. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you there completely. And I think we've covered enough player movement. For- well, thanks for joining us for our first ever episode of the uh, Best Ball Owners Manual. And uh, on behalf of uh, Jeremy, I'm Brad Rays. And I'd like to really uh, just come out and just say thank you. And I really appreciate you taking your time and uh, letting us be part of your process. And also, you can, you can uh, find my work at TQE, uh, the Quant Edge. The uh, promo code TQE69, you get 30% off of our Best Ball package, which is normally $30. You get it for 20 you get my coverage. You get um, you get Noah Rudell, who's a, who's just become a great software guy and a great uh, a great numbers guy on our end. Um, you also get Todd from PA. I think we all know him. He's another great source of best ball info, and you know you can also catch him on XM Radio occasionally too. Yeah, good stuff, man. A lot of good people involved in best ball these days. Thanks for listening, everybody. Really appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Ball to the foe, add another lead. Now, best ball, it's the best, y'all. Ball, ball to the foe, line up every week. Now, best ball, it's the best, y'all.